Welcome to a bonus episode of Life Giver Military Spouse Podcast. This is Corey Weathers, and I'm thrilled to share with you a military spouse journey. For the next week, I'm going to join the Secretary of Defense as he travels to visit the troops in the Middle East for his holiday tour. Join me as we go on this ride on how it changes me, my marriage, and hopefully how it can better yours. And welcome to day four of a military spouse journey. Um, I am so excited to tell you about today. It was a really big day for me. And um, and I first want to tell you where I went. So we went to um, Fob Fenty in Afghanistan. And um, I have a little bit of a story to tell you, to explain to you why um, it was so meaningful to me. Um I wanted to tell you that today is going to be a little bit more of a produced video just because um, I was trying to take my own advice from yesterday and do more videos because I didn't want to just do snapshots and pictures. And I did do some of that too, and that's going to be stuff I throw out on Twitter and use for the, uh, the blog that I write. But um, I wanted to throw some videos in, and, and some of the videos ended up being really fun. And so um, I'm just going to throw them into this video. I think that's the easiest way to do that instead of um, throwing out these little short pieces over social media. I'll do a couple maybe. but um, So I think there's some, first of all, I think there's some people that might be following a military spouse journey and um, maybe don't know a whole lot about my story. And so I wanted it to make sense today. Um, so I'm not going to go into a huge lengthy discussion on it or discussion. I'm not talking to anybody but myself, but, <laughs> um, a huge lengthy explanation. Um, so, um, I know every day I keep saying I'm tired, but wow. I mean, this is a, this is a crazy schedule that these people run. <laughs> so, um, today, uh, I flew for a total of like eight hours and then still had this great time at Fenty. Um, and I had, I think, two and a half hours of sleep last night. So, um, so, um, so let me explain to you that um, my husband, Matt, has been deployed twice to Afghanistan. So this particular day, my anticipation of today was obviously pretty big because um, I was just anticipating it, maybe having some feelings about showing up in Afghanistan and seeing some of the things that he had talked about. So I was already kind of ready to experience whatever I was going to experience. And I think that kind of set the tone for my feelings that came up. Um, but he deployed twice. And the first one um, was rather difficult. We were stationed at Carson in Colorado. And, um, and we were told that it was going to be a really tough deployment. And it ended up being much worse than anybody could have expected. And, um, basically, um, my, our brigade, no, I'm sorry, the division, fourth division was sent to FOB Fenty and, um, and then you had these remote FOBs, um, and remote, um, cops that a lot of our troops from the, the division and the brigades, you know, were kind of expanded out from there. So, 
Um, a lot of our leadership from Colorado Springs was there at Fenty at the time in 2009, 2010. And um, we still, Matt and I still care about um, then Colonel George, now General George and Patty George um, mean a lot to us um, and all the leadership um, that was in fourth division, especially in our um, unit 361 CAV. And so um, showing up to Fenty was obviously really um, wonderful for me to see. My husband was more so at Fob Bostic during that deployment, but he would travel back to Fenty a couple times, um, several times. I don't know how many times, but um, but all that being said, he Matt was really excited when he found out that I'd be going to Fenty and and wanted to, me to go and see a couple things and pointed out you know ahead of time some things for me to look at. So. Um, I want to explain, I've kind of said in a, the previous videos several times that um, my husband came home changed and um, I just want to be a little bit <clears throat> more specific and say that, um, you know, we as a couple have not struggled as much as a lot of couples out there and I wouldn't say that Matt has struggled more than um, a lot of our veterans who really do struggle with some of the things that they've been through. Um, but when I say that he changed, I think both of us changed individually and together. And so um, I know for me, I changed um, by my confidence and my independence. And I changed um, because of my experience of working with um, so many wonderful families, but also some Gold Star Widows that are wonderful people that some still in my life today. And um, so I changed as a person too. And so my husband being a chaplain, for those of you who don't know, um, his experience during that deployment was a lot of um, obviously taking care of his guys who were going through some really tough stuff during that deployment. And that as a chaplain, you do a lot of counseling, you do a lot of debriefing, um, you do a lot of moral support or morale boosting. And, um, and that, I think, took a toll on Matt just because of how difficult the deployment was and the amount of contact they were getting from um, the enemy at the time. And so, um, by the end of the deployment, he didn't have his R and R until 10 months in. And so he was really tired. And so, um, you're going to hear me talk about that today as far as, um, me feeling tired and, and that making me think about how he must've felt. And, um, and I just wanted to kind of clarify that, um, that, um, you know, I, I have to explain why I'm kind of, I've been emotional in some of these, videos and you have to understand that not that anybody's asked why I'm emotional I just have thought about it today and thought I would explain it to you that ever since I knew I was coming on this trip I've really been sitting in the pocket of wondering um, what is what are these separations due to our marriages and we all know that we have military marriages out there that are really strong and are maybe even better um, because of what they've been through and um, so I'm not here to say that these separations are completely destructive. I think it can actually, like we said yesterday, make a power couple. Um, but you know, for the for the purpose of this mission for me, I've been really, really sitting in there and thinking and processing how can these separations be destructive if we can't have a shared experience and fully understand what that's like. Um, really taking a look at what we have often just accepted that we'll never understand. But instead I've, I've gone, well, what if I don't accept it? What if I, what kind of work would it take for me to 
not just ignore that the problem's there, just accept that it's there. What would it look like instead for me to really kind of um, dive in there and search and, and try to, to leverage as much empathy as possible for my husband more than usual um, to understand what his experience was like. And um, I'm going to put this, I think it's, there we go. Um, what his experience was like so that I can test it on myself to see, can we bridge that gap? Can we re-knit a couple back together after they've been separated if we were to practice more empathy, more listening skills, better communication, and some of these other things that I am encouraging you guys to do. So um, that is why you're going to see a lot of emotion coming from me because I'm really investing a lot of time into thinking about how he must have felt, what he saw, what that might have, um, how that might have changed him, how I know that it's changed him, made him a better person, um, and also how he comes home like a lot of other service members and, you know, like a lot of us, gets sensory overload and the hyper alert alertness, if that's a word. Um, those, those normal things that I think a lot of our service members go through, um, but... Um, I just wanted to clarify that before we go into this. So um, at Fob Fenty right now, um, fourth division is not there right now. It's actually 10th Mountain Division. And so I had a wonderful time with some of the troops there, a lot of some of the scouts there. Um, it just was um, a great time. They were so friendly and open, and, and I'm excited to share with you some of the things that they talked with me about. Um, I have lots of notes here to keep me on track and not keep you too long. Um, so... Um, Really, for me, getting to Fenty was the closest I would ever get to where my husband was during that first deployment. Um, you know, it was the closest that I could get to understanding what our entire division went through and what our unit went through um, by really soaking in as much as I could at Fenty. So um, I was very emotional from the second that I got off um, the first plane um, at, at um, Bagram. Um, I really just was overcome with seeing the mountains and realizing that I actually was in Afghanistan and letting that sink in for me, um, that this thing that I'd heard about for so long, um, so many stories and, and tried to think of and tried to picture in my head that I was actually getting to see it. So, um, what else? Let's see. Um, Sorry, I'm, I've gotten ahead of myself, so I'm making sure. Um, so here's the thing. Um, I know that we all have our own stories from deployments and separations. Spouses have their own stories, too. And they tend to be these sacred places that um, Matt and I use that terminology a lot as far as sacred places. And he has his sacred place. And I know as we as spouses have our own stories, too about um, what really changed us during that time and hoping that our spouse can understand. And so, um, but, you know, obviously the more that I've reflected on it, um, the more I've realized that we, we really do need to close that gap. So um, what I first wanted to do is I wanted to show you a video of me coming into Bagram. Well, not com coming into Bagram, but we landed and, and I actually took video of us walking from the E-4B to the C-130 um, and some of the F-16s that were taking off um, as we were walking by. And so um, some of you who have been stationed or been at Bagram, you know, I, I'm sure you'll really enjoy it and they'll take you back there. Um, but I really wanted to show spouses um, 
what it was like to walk aboard a C-130. And so I have several video clips that I'm gonna show as far as um, what it was like to come into Bagram and I say a little a couple things and then me walking onto the C-130 and then I'll um, come back and I'll talk to you a little bit more about Fenty. landed in Afghanistan and I hope you can hear me. Um, Matt said the mountains are pretty big and um, they're much taller than Colorado Springs. I can say that for sure. So um, I'm pretty tired. I think I had about two and a half hours of sleep last night and I'm pretty exhausted, which I think is pretty fitting considering um, a lot of Matt's time here in Afghanistan were some of the most tiring seasons for him of working with his soldiers. So about to get on a C-130 and um, it's pretty remarkable. Okay, so that was the best that I could do to really show you um, what it was like. I mean, it was awesome. I wish I could have, there was a way to, for you to experience the takeoff and landing of that C-130 because it was screaming fast, like unbelievably fast. And I, I can't believe that I haven't been nervous of all the flights that I've done. And um, I've never once felt nervous. And I think that on the planes and that, I'm well, nowhere I've, except for the, <laughs> the little fender vendor um, and the motorcades. Um, no, but um, I have not felt nervous once on any of these planes. And I think that goes to show um, how awesome our Air Force is because they've done an amazing job every time and I felt completely comfortable. So I wanted to show you now um, a just a quick look at what Fenty looks like um, and so that you can kind of see what I saw when I got off the plane.
Okay, so that is Fenty. And um, I wanted to walk you through some of the things that I really noticed that stood out. Remember, I'm trying to really pay attention to the things that, that um, spouses don't often get to hear about, at least that I think that they don't get to hear about some of the details and the sensory things that I go through um, that I would think that would be important for you guys to know. So um, I also talked with some of the guys there that are stationed there and they thought it was just a brilliant, awesome idea that they brought along a spouse and um, just thought it was really cool. And everybody, that, all the um, service members that I've talked to have thought that it's a really cool idea. So I'm, I'm so glad that they've been supportive and open and vulnerable and welcoming uh, the questions that I have for them and just processing what it's like for them and for their families and, and how they can build their own stronger marriages. So um, one of the things that the troops there told me is that they sometimes wish that their family members could understand that they have these random assignments. There's no like same schedule. And so one day they might be able to talk for hours and then another day they may only be able to text something really quick. And so the best way I can describe that is today for them with the Secretary of Defense coming in was a very long day of lots of planning, lots of Honestly, there's been weeks and weeks of planning for security for the Secretary of Defense to come. And so um, when those things happen, you know, all everything kind of shuts down and they're focused on that. And so um, it's just really important that the mission succeeds, that the Secretary of Defense is safe and the day goes according to plan. And so I would assume for a lot of those guys, they didn't have a lot of time to talk with family and they weren't really available. And so... I think that there's other situations where if they're having to come back from a mission or whatever it is that they're doing that they have these random schedules where I think it can be really hard to understand why you can, when you're going to have three, I remember feeling that. I remember wondering why am I getting like two hours and you're relaxed and going to the gym and then, you know, later it's like, you can't even call me. And so, um, just understanding that those schedules can be really random. Um, it's not by their choice. Um, so they also mentioned that even Fenty specifically is, it feels safer and it's better, um, better conditions or whatever than it even was when our division was there in 2009, 2010. So, um, and that brings up a really good point that I've talked with um, some of the other ones about as well is that um, I know when I told my family members that I was going to Iraq and Afghanistan, you know, there was this immediate fear and concern and um, I think that we as family members and spouses go through the same thing. We hear um, that that's where they're going. And if there's war and there's um, evil things or whatever, as chaos is going in those countries, then surely my, my service member is not safe. And so what we have to remember is that it's a country. And so there are certain parts of it that are going to be safe. Um, and so uh, some of the service members that I talked to felt extremely safe where they were. And so I guess my encouragement to you is that if, if they say, I'm in a safe place, I'm doing okay, you don't need to worry, then we need to exercise and trust that what they're saying to us is true and um, that they really are in a safe place. Um, they were also mentioning that like Fenty had better Wi-Fi than they ever had before and that with the new generation of, of service members coming through, um, and I think that there's lots of people that are probably experiencing this, that um, the new generation coming through has had so much more exposure to internet and Wi-Fi um, connections and really depend on that more than we used to before. And one soldier told me today that, you know, in previous deployments, he had been deployed like six times. And um, 
he had said, you know, a long time ago, he was lucky if he got to talk with them three times over the course of deployment, whereas now he can text them, you know, throughout the day. And so some of the new soldiers that are coming through the younger generation um, may have this expectation of what it's going to be like. And so when they get there and the Wi-Fi isn't as fast as they thought, then they're really disappointed. And so that perspective that I'm being grateful for what they have and that they are, the ones that I talk to are, are actually just really surprised and, and really good with the conditions there and, and the connection that they are able to have. Um, again, um, how I want to point out how minimal and drab all, you know, no colors, um, all the walls are beige and gravel again and, um, cement, lots of cement. Um, and I, I went into, um, one building called a bee hut, which was, um, kind of important for me to go into and I'll explain why in a second, but, um, you know, it's just ply, it's a building made out of plywood. And so when you walk inside, it's just exposed beams and, and plywood and stuff. And so, um, you know, even when they decorated for Christmas, you know, it's very minimal. And so there are some that, you know, don't want to go through the holidays because there's really no, it, from what they were saying, there's really no good way of convincing them that it's really Christmas because it doesn't feel like Christmas, but yet they're trying really hard to feel like it's Christmas. And, um, and other people there really want to make it fun and, and make it exciting because you kind of have to at some point. So, um, they, they described to me and I've, I've heard, Matt say this to me before that things can get really silly there. And so, um, one thing that made me laugh is they were talking about how, um, they were, they arranged a Turkey trot so that they could have for Thanksgiving. And so I think it was somebody from the USO came and dressed up in like a little kid's Turkey costume and like ran and everybody had to chase him and whoever caught the Turkey one. <laughs> and so I thought that was really funny. Um, so, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that they do to try to make it feel festive, but, um, I just want to stress that, um, it's extremely difficult. I can tell to do that. Um, I mean, even me standing there, um, with my jet lag, you know, I forgot what month it was and there was like tinsel and garland wrapping up, um, up the stairs. And you know, one of them pointed to the, to the garland was like, it's Christmas. And I was like, well, <laughs> not a whole lot that shows that it's Christmas around here. So, um, so going back to the bee hut, um, that was really important for me to see just because a lot of our remote locations that a lot of our soldiers are at, um, they use those bee huts. And so they're, like I said, made from this plywood with this barbed wire that's underneath. And so that was really good for me to see because of hearing so many times of, of our soldiers that are out in remote places, you know, I often wondered what their buildings were like. And, and I know that sounds kind of like a boring fact, but you know, when you're thinking about where a soldier is sleeping or where the defect is, and if it's not a tent and it's a building, it's, and trying to understand what those buildings must be like, sometimes we can accidentally picture like an actual grand building when really it's just a plywood building that may, depending on where it is, may not be as nice as the ones that I even saw. So um, otherwise, um, another funny moment was it smelled like, um, burning wood, a very faint burning wood, but almost like an incense kind of burn. And I asked one soldier I was walking with at one point, I was like, so what is, what is that smell? Is it incense? Is it burning wood? What? And he laughed because he couldn't smell anything. He had been there so long it just was Fenty. <laughs> and so, um, somebody mentioned it might've been burning waste or, 
um, our burning wood, you know, that that's just the way that they get rid of things. But I told you I was going to share with you like sensory stuff. And so I thought that, that was really funny. Um, so I'm going to take you to this next clip where um, I actually decided to um, go to a room and actually do a video of me um, talking about how I was feeling right then in the moment. Um, and, uh, and so I'm going to share that with you and hopefully the backstory that I shared with you at the beginning of all of this, um, will make a little bit more sense. I, I don't remember if I said in the beginning that, um, our particular unit 361 lost a lot of soldiers and one in particular was a, a mass casualty. Um, and so, you know, we lost 12 in one deployment. And so, um, hopefully that clip will make sense to you. So here it is. Okay, so I said that I was going to try to do some video um, from out in different places. Um, so, and maybe I'll stream, stream it all together. But, um, so we're at Fenty, um, which is a really emotional place. I'm wearing my fourth ID shirt. Can you see? Um, and this is a pretty emotional place for me. Um, it's the closest that I can get to where Matt and a lot of his guys were stationed um, in 2009-2010. And it's been awesome. The troops here have been so fun and um, talkative and um, helpful for talking to me and what it is that I'm trying to fact gather. And um, it's been really um, surprisingly emotional. I held it together for a little while and then kind of had to pull off to the side and um, I think that um, it's just been really emotional to come to Afghanistan and see everybody out here. Um, we lost a lot of people in 2009-2010 during that first deployment and I know that that's my experience and it's um, and everybody else has their own experiences of similar things and so everybody's gonna have their place that you know for some of you it's gonna be Iraq and others of you it's other places and for me it was it's Afghanistan and um, so it's uh, it's been pretty um, I think because I'm also tired like really tired today um, it made me think a lot about how this was a season for Matt that he was um, really tired and he gave a lot of himself to I'm crying as if somebody like as somebody asked me if my husband passed away <laughs> it's like no it's not that bad um but um, spouses maybe you can understand like to to come to a place where is it's especially meaningful to your service member and you can ever can't ever fully understand that and then to come to a place and be here where they changed. And Matt didn't like completely change, but um, it's a very special time in his life and will always be a special time in his life. And it's special to me too because of what it was like for me back at home. And um, I think it's just emotional to be somewhere where um, we lost a lot of people, um, where a lot of amazing leadership um, did some great things and kept a lot of um, a lot more people safe. Um, it's a historic place, um, and I think that it's also um, the closest that I'll get to ever understanding it. And so I can come home and say, "Hey, um, 
I know what Fenty looked like and um, and I can picture everybody here and and I guess I was just saying that Matt um, had a lot of sleeplessness that got him really tired from having so many people that were wounded or killed in action and memorials that he did and um, there was just a season there where he said that he felt like he was he and death were skipping through the posies or flowers or something like that and uh, and so I guess today with me being as tired as I am maybe I feel that a little bit being here and um, it makes me feel closer to him so more later um, by the way I'm in a USO I had no idea that there was a USO here like coffee and there's a wonderful sweet lady named Regina here that serves everybody and she's been here for like five or six years like how comforting is that I had no idea that there are USOs and embedded USO workers um, out in remote places for our service members and I just think that's the most awesome thing ever um, and I cried and I just gave her a hug and I said thank you because um, our guys are taken care of so more to come Okay, so um, kind of a serious moment there. And I kind of debated whether or not I should share that because um, it was so emotional. And I thought, oh, maybe I'm getting too emotional. But hey, I told you I was going to be really raw and vulnerable, and I did. So I'm just putting it out there. Maybe I look like a crazy person, but I don't really care. So, um, so I wanted to share a few, um, I guess, kind of tips with you and um, some of the reasons why... Um, why I think that my husband and I have managed to, to stay, really, stay really strong through everything um, and why all of this is kind of soaked in. And, and I just want to say, number one, um, I worked really hard to listen to my husband when he would come home and share. I know I mentioned before I wish I would have listened more, um, and I do wish that. But there have been other times since then that, you know, if he was um, thinking about things and wanted to process it, um, it's always been very important to me that I listen to him and I listen to him all the way through. And sometimes I'll even ask him a couple questions on the end when I think he, or when he thinks that he's done. I might ask a couple more questions just to kind of make sure I give him plenty of time to talk about whatever it is that he wants to talk about. So not only was it the fact that I chose to listen, I mean, that's really important to me and to us, but um, it's also important to point out that Matt talked and there's a lot of questions that I get about how do you know when to ask your service member to open up and when should you respect that space and not ask versus when should you ask. And um, so I just want to stress that there's a balance there. I think that um, you, it's, you know, if somebody doesn't want to talk about it and they want to compartmentalize, then then there's some part of that that's healthy, and you should they sh you should let them do that when they want and need to do that. Um, very rarely do I go to Matt and say, "Hey, tell me about the most terrible moment that you had at that time." Um, I will often wait for it to come up, and then you know something that re reminds him of something he's been through, and then I'll ask him, "Do you want to talk about it?" Um, or if he's already kind of in that space and, you know, then I'll ask some questions and, and see if he wants to open up. And if he doesn't, I respect that. Um, because sometimes those feelings will flood. It's called emotional flooding. And sometimes you just need to shut it down um, because it's, it's not the right time and it's not appropriate and they're not ready to process it. And so that can be overwhelming to have that emotional flooding, especially if it's coming with a lot of anxiety 
And so just because they're having a moment doesn't mean that it's time to jump in there and, and um, ask them a bunch of questions. So it's there's a balance of, hey, how are you doing? Are you okay? What do you need? Um, can I do anything? Um, do you need some quiet? Do you want to talk? That's even probably too many questions, but you kind of get the idea. So um, if you aren't talking as a couple, um, I've talked with a couple service members on this trip. Um, one person who said, you know, I really don't want to talk about anything that's going on at home because I want to stay disconnected. And then I talked with somebody else today who had described um, where there was a deployment where he and his wife had, you know, all they did was get on the phone and vent every, all the negative stuff at each other. And, you know, I'm having a horrible day and the kids have been really difficult and I'm mad at my um first sergeant or what whatever and so they would vent at each other and how unhealthy that was too and so um there are some couples that just don't talk at all and i think that there's probably a few of you out there who have decided that that's good for you and it works for you and it's not causing any problems in your relationship and if it's not, then, you know, make sure you check in with each other and make sure that it's not causing any problems. And if it's not, then it works for you, then okay. Um, but I would never recommend for people to go through difficult things and not talk to anybody. Um, so I, I think that people should be talking in general to somebody. The biggest issue is um, another one that I talked to today said that in, in this deployment, um, that he and his wife had figured out that they, it was okay for them to have their support network wherever they were. So she had her support with her friends and military spouses that she would go to and vent to about her day. And he would go to his battle buddies and vent there so that when they got on the phone, there was not a whole lot to vent at each other. They could actually just have a good conversation. The venting was done. And that I think was a, is a great healthy approach because at least we're talking. It's unhealthy when we get to a place where we're not talking at all. And if you see your service member is not talking at all, and especially if they're using, they're drowning themselves in some kind of substance, alcohol or drug, well, maybe not drugs is not as popular, but alcohol for sure, um, or, or reckless behavior, that's definitely concerning. And so the important thing is that we're talking. And secondly, you know, are we also being people that listen? And veterans listening to each other is also just as important and just as, um, if not more, um, extremely Awesome. In fact, um, General Graham, who was actually at Fort Carson when we were there, now has a nonprofit where veterans can call. It's like a crisis line, but it doesn't have to be a crisis. And you can call and a veteran will answer the phone and you can just anonymously call and, and talk about whatever's on your mind. Um, good day, bad day, stories, whatever. And that veteran immediately understands and they're seeing huge success rates in that. Um, if, um, if you feel like you need to go to counseling, um, I have a whole other video here on the YouTube channel that explains how you can use your benefits to get the counseling that you need. The only thing that I want to stress to you as far as who you talk to, and this goes for spouses and service members, is um, don't find somebody to talk to that is somebody of the opposite sex. Um, make sure that you're going to a battle buddy or a spouse is going to a spouse or a friend from back at home or, or something or a counselor, but we don't need to be um, talking about our feelings and our thoughts and traumatic memories and things that are, that really bring up a lot of emotion, um, with somebody of the opposite sex. It's just not protective of your marriage. So, um, I think that, um, let me, um, 
give you another little clip. I'm going to show you us actually um, walking to the hangar where the Secretary of Defense um, addressed the troops and thanked them and, and wished them a Merry Christmas. I didn't record that part, um, but I wanted to show you, especially the spouses, I wanted to show you um, the walk to um, the hangar. It's not the whole walk, but a portion of the walk because there's these cement walls that I wanted you to see. Um, I couldn't remember if I shared those from Bagram, um, but they were also at Bagram. And, they, and you know, when I first saw them, I was like, I don't know. I, was, I don't know if surprised is the word, but it was just kind of like, wow, there's like 10, 15 foot cement walls. Um, and so I wanted to show that to you. And so also as I turn around, you can't see it very clearly in the um, video, but um, the guy on top of the MRAP as he's coming across the road there, um, he's waving hello <laughs> at everybody. So um, that's in there too. So um, uh, so I'm going to show you that clip. So this is that walk, um, to the hangar. There's two clips actually, cause I wanted you to see the helicopters cause they had a lot of helicopters going for extra security as well. So you'll see both of those clips. Okay, so finally to close for today, um, I wanted to show you something that um, was a really interesting way to end my time at Fenty. Um, I didn't think about it until we walked out of the hangar. So um, I, um, I remember Matt telling me, especially over the phone when he was in Afghanistan, how it gets really dark at like four o'clock in the afternoon. And so when we walked out of the hangar at 3.50, I was floored with how dark it was. So I actually took some video of us walking back to the C-130, and you're going to see an orange blinking light. Um, that's actually um, a soldier who is standing there with, I, I'm assuming that that orange blinking light is is showing you where to walk, to walk towards him, or, or it was... I would love for somebody to comment and tell me what it was, but, or it was, I think that there was um, something there that he didn't want us to trip on either. So I think he was also making sure we were watching out for that. So I just was floored with how dark it was at 3.50 in the afternoon. So I'm going to show you that to close. And I just want to say thanks again for following me on this journey. Um, today was really remarkable. I hope you enjoy the other pictures that I put up. I put um, some pictures up of Regina from the USO, who was so surprising to see a USO there. And um, oh, and I also didn't get to tell you that I... Um, called Matt from Fenty. So the USO hooked me up with, with their phones there and it was a little bit early. I think I woke him up a little bit before six o'clock in the morning, but all the soldiers there were like, you should totally wake him up. It would be like a complete role reversal. And so, you know, you only can call when you can call, right? So um, I actually called Matt and I actually talked to Aiden on the phone from, um, from Fenty as well. And um, it was just a really cool moment to like be calling them back at home from Fenty 
And, um, and so there's a picture that um, you'll see of me on the phone doing that. Um, otherwise, my challenge to you, um, regardless of whatever's going on in your marriage and um, how healthy it is or how not healthy it is, is, um, is to try to exercise this empathy that I'm doing. It really, like I've said before, I'm realizing it doesn't take me being here to practice that empathy. I started doing it before I even left. And um, it just takes a little bit more thinking and putting yourself in someone else's shoes of what something might feel like. And so um, I'm going to challenge you to think about um, how, how practicing that empathy can really make a difference in your marriage um, by asking the right questions and communicating the things that you need to communicate. Um, and you know, if there's something that you see in these videos and you're like, huh, I wonder if my soldier went through that as well, ask them. Um, so anyways, I had a great day. Um, it was a, it was a very big day and, um, I'm really glad it's over. It's <laughs> really late. Um, but I hope you enjoyed this. And so I'm going to go straight to that clip as far as, um, ending at 3:50 in the afternoon and I'll see you tomorrow.